1: Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado.
2: In 2003, Nike signed 13-year-old Freddie Adu to a seven-figure contract. But Freddie didn't live up to the hype. He is turned down every single documentary project looking closely at the details of his career. Until now. People are going to look at everything you did because of the hype surrounding your arrival and what they think you can be. I'm Grant Wall, and this is American Prodigy, Freddie Adu, from Blue Wire Podcasts.
0: Mahomes has the time, delivers, perfectly downfield, touchdown, Patrick Mahomes with a rope. This one, out
3: this time going deep for Beckham Jr. He did! Hello everyone, welcome along to Road Overtime on Road Radio, brought to you by betonline.ag and indeed. My name's Colin Kelly, you can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland, joined by Sean Siegel, uh, one of the co-owners at Road Sean, this was an interesting week of fantasy football and uh, <laughs> I have to say, uh, some, some high-scoring players, some very low-scoring players, some very low-scoring team uh, outputs i guess we'll call it for a lot of teams and uh i guess then the other part to say is kyler murray is probably the other part to say
2: yeah and and again it's a little bit of an interesting case because he gets all of or so much of the glory here and the coverage and the point totals continue to be fantastic for fantasy football You and I have a team with the ship chasing crew where we are now in the top 350 teams in the FPC with Dalvin Cook still to play for us tonight. So we could climb the leaderboard a little bit more. Uh, Curtis Patrick and I have a Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins team. The big catch there made a huge difference for us. Blair and I have a team with... Hopkins and Stefan Diggs. So very, very fun. This game actually pretty disappointing until about two minutes to go. You have a bunch of really short passes to Stephon Diggs. Now he was racking up the receptions, but but not a lot of yards. And then he breaks out for that touchdown, which is one of the best plays you'll see from a quarterback wide receiver combination to apparently beat the Cardinals. It looked like the game was over, no real way, for the Cardinals to come back and win it without the Hail Mary. Now, I just want to point out here that while again murray is getting all the coverage this was an unreal play by deandre hopkins who goes up amid three guys not just sandwiched but he is surrounded by bills defenders makes this play and really bails out again cliff kingsbury and kyler murray murray again doing his you know dante hall x-factor you know (laughs) video game joystick kind of running right but his passing throughout the vast majority of the game was very poor missing open receivers again not able to pass uh, into that intermediate area across the line of scrimmage the cardinals having some trouble sustaining drives in which he wasn't just running the whole way and it was uh, another kind of rough game for Kenyon drake and the running back so a lot of disappointment here up until that very final play but column, as we know, it's just it's what happens at the end that counts. And DeAndre Hopkins really pushing back against another big game from Devontae Adams as they fight to be the best wide receiver in the National Football League.
3: Yeah, and th- that that play just when when I seen it happening live, it just reminded me of uh, Calvin Johnson against the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, I can't remember what year it was, but it was kind of very similar. There was like, three guys jumping up, and he just takes the ball. It's just I'm taller than you, and I can jump higher than you. And then when you know, if you watch the replay, the, it looks like the defender actually has it for a second. So it just I'm I'm stronger than you as well, I guess. We'll throw in, but just a phenomenal play, and I guess we'll say once again that Bell O'Brien. Uh, I think he was on the losing end of that trade. Uh, just uh, in case we're still we're still seeing who comes out on top. of of that deal. But uh, in terms of today's show, it's going to be a really fun one. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. We're going to be joined in just a second by Anthony Amico. Uh, it's going to be a fun one to talk through with lots of different stuff coming up. Anthony's actually leading the way in the SFB at the moment, uh, t- top of the Stantons there. So, going to talk to him a little bit about that. So, so jumping on the show now is Anthony Amico. You can follow him on Twitter at Amixta, and uh, Anthony also has a Substack up and running. It's com and uh, I would highly recommend heading over, checking that out. Uh, I, Anthony, we've... Uh, we've we've talked for a long time I've known you now for a long time in terms of podcast not a, back to the the OTI podcast days going way back in time and uh, it's always fun talking with you but um, h- how are you getting on as we uh, kind of as we finish up week 10 start moving towards week 11 of the NFL season?
1: Yeah doing pretty well I mean I first of all thanks for having me on but I, I think that the uh, week 10 was kind of crazy I felt like a lot of a lot of things that were well-planned kind of didn't end great for a lot of people. It was, it was a tough scoring week, tough to find points, but you know, overall it's been a, it's been a really fun season. Uh, you know, we have a lot going on in the world, but you know, the NFL has, has been there for us. Uh, you know, we, we have we had some issues here and there, but for the most part, you know, we've still had football kind of to escape from a lot of these things and uh, definitely thankful for that and for whatever you know, else we can get out of the season
2: anthony as we went into the sfb draft i was hoping to be the last person to draft a running back and i waited a long time i think maybe into round 11 and then when i went back and checked in josh's app i found that you had waited another full round obviously for a zero rb enthusiast to have the last person to draft a running back in the entire format to sit atop the leaderboard after nine weeks is really cool did you go into the draft with this plan or did the draft simply fall that way or maybe a little bit of a mixture of both?
1: Yeah, probably a little bit of both. I, I do want to kind of tip my hat here also to uh, you know, RV legend Mike Beers. He he also waited until the 12 12 to take his first running back. So, I uh for whatever reason I got the I got the edge on the on the app posting, but he also waited <laughs> an extraordinarily long time to take that first running back. Um but, you know, something that I think has been <clears throat> a foundational piece of how I build teams is, you know, that road of his mantra of winning the flex and Scott Fishbowl, I think is probably one of the best environments for that, given that it's a four flex league. One of those flexes is a super flex. So, you know, had the draft fallen differently, I suppose I wouldn't have gone so heavy on zero running back, but uh, the ADP landscape entering Scott Fishbowl, uh, you know, was extremely running back heavy. I kind of had a feeling that that would be the case in this draft. Uh, And if you look at the league from the standpoint, like there's really no functional difference, right? Between like my running back two and someone else's third flex. But I think most people probably value that RB two spot like uh, significantly more, it's significantly higher. And that's why we saw all those running backs go so high in a lot of the drafts. So I think just by approaching it as uh, I just want to win these flex spots, I kind of very naturally ended up with all these receivers and uh, it's worked out. So Uh,
3: last week on the the podcast, we, talked a little bit more about the running back dead zone and you know it's pretty much been a as we expected it's been this way pretty consistently it's been a a graveyard again in 2020 Uh, many experts believe that the sfb format lends itself to the elite rb so you've kind of touched on you know that second rb versus the the flex kind of discussion but did you have specific concerns about running backs in 2020 uh do you think there'll be a shake-up in the way owner's attack running back in 2021 or do you think it'll pretty much be the, the same again as as we see every year people tend to make those same things again that's why we have that uh, dead zone we can uh, expect people to make those kind of misguided judgments and kind of round three through seven that kind of range uh, and do you think there should be adjustments I think we probably know the answer to that
1: <laughs> yeah I mean my biggest concern was definitely cost if you just look at the fan, uh, fan ball ADP Explorer on order of his running backs were dominating August drafts. I mean, by ADP 14 running backs off the board before Travis Kelsey, the first tight end uh, before the fourth wide receiver, Julio Jones. So when you have this really uh, like all these running backs going off the board very early in, in like the first and second round, that's going to accentuate the running back dead zone even more You know, now we have players with even less upside going in this range and, you know, between rounds three and five, 15 running backs coming off the board versus an average of 18 wide receivers. So it's not like there's a ton of correction occurring in that area. Uh, I think it was probably pretty safe to say that the overall range of outcomes for players in that range favored the receivers, generally speaking. Uh, And yeah, I mean, there's probably going to be a correction in 2021. Uh, In 2015, we had a bit of an RB apocalypse. There was a lot of guys getting hurt, you know, a lot of players underperforming. And then in 2016, we saw this huge shift in ADP where, uh, kind of similar to what we had this year, but, but the opposite where, you know, tons of receivers are coming off the board early and, and running backs were going a little later. So I don't know if we'll have that exact same kind of shift. I mean, we still have guys like Alvin Kamara, uh, Dalvin cook that are just completely crushing. I think people are, are willing to excuse guys like CMC, Zeke Barkley, but, you know, generally speaking, I would imagine that, uh, you know, players will be a little less running back enthusiastic, Nick. I was really trying to avoid spending big draft capital at quarterback. I, you know, a lot of people, I obviously I think at JJ Zacharyson first, but most people I think by now have done the work to show that, you know, quarterback is pretty predictive. It's relatively flat, you know, all these things. And over the years, uh, you know, that's a position that we should be waiting on. But I think over the past year or so, we see these top quarterbacks who can now run and pass. And I know you guys have talked about this on, on this podcast, Uh, but you know, these, these guys like the Kyler Murray's and the, you know, Lamar Jackson's and the Dak Prescott's like, these guys can put up monster, monster scores. Uh, So I I think that that tells us that we need to maybe pay a little more attention to this position, uh, particularly in Scott Fishball, where the scoring I thought was even more rewarding of the top quarterbacks. I mean, you look at someone like Patrick Mahomes, is going to complete a, a really high percentage of his passes in uh, point per completion and, and losing points for incompletion scoring. Uh, you know, that's a huge bump. And like, these kind of like waiver wire ads like an, an Alex Smith or, uh, uh, you know, Jake Loughton, like these guys are not going to perform as well. So uh, I really wanted two studs in this format that I could play every week. Uh, in Dynasty, I have a little bit of remorse because, uh, you know, we did like this quarantine auction that, that I know you're in with us. And uh, I had not really come to this conclusion yet. Uh, so I, I spent relatively little on my quarterbacks. I mean, I have Jared Goff, Aaron Rodgers, Baker Mayfield. Now I have Nick Foles. And I think, you know, Baker in particular was someone I was hoping would take a, a big leap this season and he hasn't. But, you know, I think that there's kind of this quarterback dead zone in Dynasty where you don't really feel comfortable about the longevity that you have in the position and, and the points that you're going to get. I, uh, and, you know, particularly super flex dynasty, you, you need to have those guys. Like the worst thing that can happen to you is, you know, you go into next season and you don't have enough quarterbacks. That's going to cost you a ton of draft capital or, you know, other good players on your roster. So you really need to be solid at that position and you need to feel like you have, uh, like you're going to production uh, at that position for a long time. Uh, and I also think that like, just in terms of how you draft, if it's dynasty, Quarterback seems to be the position that immediately appreciates in value after the draft. Like you know, people will wait or they'll spend you know less auction dollars in our case on like one of these quarterbacks. And then the second the draft's over, it's like oh shoot, like I don't have quarterbacks. Like I gotta, I gotta buy, I gotta buy. And uh, you almost would have been better off just paying that in the startup. So uh, I think that's that's really changed a lot how I'm approaching uh, Superflex Dynasty. I would agree with that. And what Anthony's saying, if you get caught then
2: you could be chasing this for a long, long time, never really be able to get your team back together. I had a league uh, with Curtis started this season where the team itself, the rest of the team is fantastic, but I took this risk on uh, Dwayne Haskins and Jimmy Garoppolo. That hasn't panned out at all. This week I was playing with no quarterbacks. If I get a big enough week from Dalvin Cook, then it will put it over the top beat Curtis beat Ryan it'd be fun if that happens but there's no way to be competitive and to hold your own if you're playing with one quarterback or zero quarterbacks in a flex format there and even trading for the guys who are bad is very expensive and you're going to trade for someone who isn't going to score that many points for you and isn't going to be the start of the next season and so once you start chasing at quarterback you're in deep deep trouble
3: yeah, and I think that's still something that's, uh, you know, particularly in Superflex rookie drafts, where each year we see quarterbacks that tend to drift into the back end of the first round or possibly even into the second round. Uh, and then, you know, we see them get a shot at some point during the rookie season and the value just multiplies dramatically so i do think that's somewhere where people are probably missing out in an opportunity for value as well uh, with like the scott fishbowl and with so many different variations of, of leagues at the moment and different strategies in terms of the points and how we put them up i think sfb kind of amplifies those you know strengths of say quarterbacks and uh, that was interesting what you mentioned about the quarterback dead zone and dynasty you know we'd look at the running back dead zone but that, that's a very interesting thing uh, I think we'll dive a little bit deeper into that maybe on future shows but in terms of like what you've seen so far this season I guess we could look at SFB but in terms of fantasy football in general um, is there any main takeaways you have that maybe people are overvaluing and undervaluing or maybe just missing in general
1: well, yeah, like I said earlier, I think that Scott Fishbowl in general is a great reminder at the importance of winning the flex position. Obviously, like a league with three or four flexes, you're going to see that appreciation in, in points like much quicker, and you're going to notice right away how important those flex spots are. But even in these leagues that require you to, to use one or two flexes, dominating that position or just really even considering that position as valuable as the other parts of your roster uh, I think really affects the way that you draft and, and long-term probably makes you build some better teams. Uh, and I also think that we need to pay more attention to tight end and quarterback than we have in the past. I mean, the gap, I feel like tight end is growing a little more popularity in, in one quarterback leagues. Uh, but I think even in single quarterback leagues, we need to consider quarterback a little higher. I mean, the the studs, the gap between like the studs and the streamers, if you're in a waiver pickup league or, you know, having two or three lower value players versus one really good player at uh if you're playing like in best ball i think that those differences have been accentuated more over the past couple seasons i mean this year at tight end especially you're seeing like there were all these players that, that we loved uh you know that really haven't panned out or haven't panned out as much as we thought uh and travis kelsey just continues to crush so i, I feel like uh and maybe this is just a promotion to, to, keep, to keep drafting travis kelsey but Uh, You know, George Kittle is obviously there, too, when he's healthy. So those two positions, I think I'm starting to pay a lot more attention to. I feel like in best ball, I've been being a little more aggressive towards drafting like the Kylers and the Dax, the Josh Allens, uh, the guys who are probably have a chance to be in that elite tier, but aren't quite being drafted there yet. And I think that's probably going to be where you want to take those players.
3: 2020 has reshaped how we work and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical and Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more visits than any other job site according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to help keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time and there are no long-term contracts and now indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly gives you a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job making indeed the only job site in the world you that can move as fast as you do Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a $75 free credit at indeed.com slash This is the best offer available anywhere. Go right now to indeed.com slash Offer valid true December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Dave Cabin, host of the
1: Rotoviz Fantasy Football Podcast. I wanted to take a moment to thank you for supporting RotoViz Radio. We love producing these shows and we hope that you love
0: listening to them. As a thank you, Royal Podcast listeners can get 10% off of a one year RotoViz subscription by using the promo code
1: 2020RVRadio at checkout. We have some of the very best tools, articles, and analysts in the business and can't wait to lead you on the path to greatness. If you haven't done so yet, do us a favor and take a minute to rate and review this podcast. Thanks again for listening. Now let's get into the show.
2: I like that a lot. I, I think that focusing on the starting lineup has gotten a little bit lost over the past several years as this desire to build running back depth has really just gone so much to the forefront in fantasy football and it's not that running back depth doesn't matter but one of the things we're seeing again this season with so many big games from guys who are coming off the waiver wire is that you can do that through the waiver wire but you can't get superstars into your starting lineup if you didn't draft them and you mentioned a lot the running element some of these guys uh and i can very much identify with what you're talking about there we have a couple of ffpc teams our team with kyler is in first place and is roaring along our team that has alvin Kamara but has drew Brees and some other streamer type guys uh, is is struggling and so getting those quarterback points and i think one of the things with the depth at quarterback the fact that it's deflated the prices so much allows this opportunity now to go in and attack those guys who are Not the most trendy player from the last year, maybe not Mahomes, not Jackson, but trying to attack all the rest of that, a tier below them. And a little bit of that is just looking back and picking out the guys who did well this year. I mean, the fact that uh, Prescott before the injury, certainly Murray, certainly Russell Wilson were inexpensive, but toward the top of that, you know, we can look back and say now, well, it seems like everybody should have known, but I do think that targeting those guys is going to be the route and making sure your starting lineup has enough firepower you know you can only start so many running backs but you're not even going to want to start them once you get into weeks three four or five Anthony give us a sense of what week 10 has done to change the landscape going forward it was a bizarre week we have a number of teams on the bye. we have about half of the games being played in weather conditions that made it difficult to decide how you wanted to start your lineup and then as the games went along we saw a lot of damage to fantasy scoring in those games and then by contrast some dome games who put up a, a lot of points what's the big takeaway from week 10 as
1: we start to look forward i mean i think i think one of the biggest takeaways like you said has to be that weather i mean i I feel like whether like, cause I'm kind of part, of part of the DFS community on Twitter also. So you, I see a lot of those tweets and I feel like over the past couple of seasons, a lot of things that we've said have been, you know, Oh, like, you know, you can kind of fade these, these weather reports because like, these are still pro players. Like they still usually do pretty well, but we have seen like just some monster, <laughs> like massive wind conditions that have just completely deflated scoring. Uh, I mean, uh, somehow Cleveland always ends up involved, but, uh, you know, these games with, with good players and good offenses uh, that end up in these heavily, you know, high wind uh, conditions, you have to consider taking them out of your lineup. If you're starting, you know, if, if there's a, a league where you set your lineup, like you have to consider benching guys, like you have to consider benching a Joe Burrow or a, a Deshaun Watson or, you know, if you have like other options that you can play, uh, you know, it's not too crazy at, at any of these positions. So. Um, And kind of like that rising tide lifts all boats factor too, because it's easy to say, oh, well, if the passing game is not going to be effective, then perhaps, uh, you know, they'll just run the ball a lot. So I should play these running backs. But in reality, what we saw was this wind and this inability to pass in like green Bay and all these games, like what it really does is it just makes it difficult to create offense. So sure. Like you might get some additional carries out of your running backs, but know those carries are going to be between the 20s they're not going to be in the red zone they're not going to be in the high scoring areas so those players get hurt also uh, so i think uh, you know again and this is, these are extreme cases like this may only happen like one week out of the year but it's something that i think uh i think it taught us you know it teaches us a little something about kind of the value overall of, of offensive quality and and what the weather can sometimes do to that
3: yeah and i always think i always think the one the one you mentioned there that's the one thing that always worries me when it comes to uh, fantasy points is uh, the wind and how it affects play like you know rain i'm not too worried about but when it comes when it comes to wind it really does affect it um so the one thing that we've kind of liked to do on the show uh, anytime we have guests on or anytime we have anything kind of building up to is to get some of those ball uh, bold predictions on board so i'm going to put you on the spot anthony and uh hit us with a, a bold prediction for the the rest of the fantasy season
1: well, I, I, if you follow me on Twitter, maybe this isn't a surprise, but uh, I'm, going, I'm going all in on Kyler Murray here. Uh, he's had the breakout season that I think some of us are hoping for. Uh, right now he has uh, a few more all perp, you know, total yards from scrimmage than Patrick Mahomes does. He has the same number of touchdowns. Uh, this is a close race right now in the MVP between like the two of them, Russ Wilson, Aaron Rodgers. But I think Kyler Murray is going to go absolutely nuclear the rest of the way. He's gonna run away with this award. Uh, you know, we're talking like over a thousand rushing yards, maybe fifteen or so rushing touchdowns and, and all the stuff that he's gonna do through the air with DeAndre Hopkins. So really excited to see uh, what he's done this year and I, I think he's gonna really put a cherry on top these last seven weeks.
3: Yeah, well me and Sean actually did a uh, bold predictions for Blue Wire um before the season. <laughs> I actually picked for Kyler Murray to be the MVP back then, so uh, <laughs> I'm all aboard that shot uh Anthony. Uh, yeah, we'll see how it goes. But he's uh he's been phenomenal um all season but in the last couple of weeks he's been been tremendous but as i mentioned at the start guys uh make sure you're following anthony on twitter at a mixta um i would always recommend to, to head on over and follow him but also check out the substack it's a mixta.substack.com you'll also find the link to that up on anthony's twitter but as always anthony it's uh, it's been a lot of fun
1: love talking to you guys thanks so much for having me on yeah thanks for being on the
2: show and and, and go out and get that overall sfb title we're rooting for you
3: so, Sean, as we've been doing, this is usually the second half of the, the week we do the kind of listener questions and that, but we flipped it around a little bit uh, to fit it into the schedule this week, get Anthony on the show. Uh, so some some questions coming up. I'm going to, to go through them here in a, a little bit of a, a fast one, but one that popped out to me coming from uh, ben, Benjamin Holglash, and it's looking at when we're making trades he's looking for a little bit more insight into how we determine if an offer is fair and how you build out your offer so i guess you know some trades still going down in some dynasty leagues uh you know in some season-long leagues when, when you're trying to come up with an offer that you deem fair you know sometimes you'll send that offer out and it'll personal come back and think, say oh that's miles off like uh, where's your radar in terms of what what offer is the the offer to put out there to, to start off the trade negotiations
2: Yeah, and I actually chatted with Ben behind the scenes a little bit on a couple of these kinds of ideas. One of the things that I like to make sure listeners, readers are aware of is that when you're using trade calculators, maybe that gives you a little bit of a sense of the general parameters, but then you have to move away from that, right? Because when you are looking for a trade partner in your league, you have to find the person who likes the guy well above market. That would be the only reason to sell you have a player on your team in the first place because you like them more than the rest of your group and you were able to make some move either through a draft, through a trade, through some combination of those things in order to get the players that you have. Now, there may be a handful of situations where you sour on guys and you're really just trying to get rid of them, but we want to look at trading as sort of an affirmative move not to get out from under our busts, but to continue to build up this team that dominates right? That can be a true dynasty that has a championship window that's always open. And one of the things that you have to be able to do to accomplish that is you've got to trade some good players, some guys that you like, and you have to find league mates who are willing to pay big prices. And a lot of that just comes through conversation, right? You have people send you offers about guys, maybe that offer doesn't work, but you always want to counter offer even bad offers because even bad offers let you know which players on your team your league mates like. And so you go through that process, you exchange some offers, you talk about what each person needs, you build up this rapport, and then you're looking to move a guy for above market prices and you're looking for someone on their team that you also like a lot more than the market. That's the only way that you can really make a trade work and so if you're getting too tied up with calculators then both guys are going to be frustrated because they're like okay well i want to move these guys but i don't agree with the trade calculator and if i don't agree with the trade calculator then we can't ever get anything done like there can't be any any motion through this so you have to be willing to move away from that and to add other pieces then to the trade to try to make it interesting almost all of the trades that i do end up being two for two or three for three or two for four with some multiple future picks that kind of thing, you have to be creative in order to come up with the type of offer that will work because there are just very few situations, even if you need a wide receiver, your opponent needs a running back, or vice versa, where you can make a one-for-one. People just don't agree on the value of two players being identical like that, so you have to show some creativity. Perhaps, for example, like the trade that Blake proposes to us here, where he says he gave up Michael Thomas, Eckler, Jalen Rager, Cooks, and chris carson for jk dobbins justin jefferson claypool Pittman, and two second rounders one of the things i think is interesting about that is that there are enough pieces that there can be disagreement on some parts and yet it can still move together one of the things about a big trade as well is that it lets you camouflage a little bit maybe your true target or your true valuation on some of these players now you know when i'm in leagues i have the dynasty makings on the site those site that those rankings include sort of where i have a player and how much trade value he has so it might not exactly line up with the value that i would give him in a personal league trade but people are going to generally know how i'm valuing these guys but there is an advantage to putting together a big enough trade that it's not immediately clear and i think that blake has done this colin when you're looking at that trade what are your thoughts there do you like what he's done
3: i think it's a really a really interesting trade obviously this one now um with each each week i guess we look for the the questions and i'm getting better at asking for them on twitter there was a few weeks there i mentioned on the show i had forgot to ask for them so i've been asking for them uh pretty pretty much on a friday and a monday just to get some of the the, the suggestions in. then all the ones come in through the the email address so uh this one actually came in before this week's action which makes it a little bit more interesting obviously we've seen Michael Thomas back on the on the field this week or a week closer to Eckler getting back in there but in terms of what 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 he's done here you know if you're looking this is more of a move if I'm looking towards next season I, I'm getting people are probably getting tired of hearing me saying it Dobbins for me has always been a 2021 play I think that there's a, a good move to to go from Eckler to Dobbins based on the age profile of both running backs and the the situations moving forward Uh, Jefferson really good pickup there I think him and Rager are probably fair I think Jefferson's edging that out based on how he's played so far but I still have very high hopes for Rager uh moving forward here Cooks and Carson you know you're you're having those veteran players but the value is going to be very limited and those come you know this this off season uh, we'll see a, a quite a drop off, I think, in their value. So it looks to me to be a team going for it this year versus a team that's thinking about the future. You know, getting Claypool in there. We haven't seen much from Pittman so far, but uh, still, still an interesting player. And then the two second rounders. Like I, I really like what he's done. He's kind of got younger at all the positions outside of Rager, uh, and he's upgraded on a couple of them. So you're giving up Thomas, you're giving up Eckler, but you're you're probably going to be winning this trade come 2021 so a uh, very interesting move from blake there um i guess i mentioned it a minute ago um in terms of the email address it's wrote at gmail.com if you want to send in those recommendations those questions you know get our thoughts on different things we're always looking for different opinions and uh things like that so send them in the the other person who sent it to my twitter account which is at over to ireland uh was patrick keith He sends in uh, a recommendation of the Emperor's Handbook for his book recommendation. And a film recommendation of the City of God, Sean. It's probably no surprise when it comes to books that I haven't read the Emperor's Handbook. Yeah. Uh, I need to. When I I've said to Sean behind the scenes, I don't know if I mentioned it in the show, I'm building the house at the moment, and I'm hoping to be in it in the next two weeks. I think when I get the building experience over me, I think book reading might become uh, a bigger part of my life moving <laughs> moving forward here in a couple of weeks' time. But Sean, have you? I know a, a huge fan of books. Have you read the Emperor's Handbook?
2: I haven't. And one of the reasons why it's so fun to talk about the TV shows is that we have such a sort of communal experience with that, especially now with the streaming services, again, uh, in a way, bringing people together, they have access to those same uh, types of shows. And the the books are a little bit different. There are so many books out there in the world that there's a little bit less of an overlap, but I'm always excited to get these book recommendations. I'm going to put this down on my list here the show that i ended up watching a lot of hours of the last week it's called absentia this one of the things and and we should actually ask for this from listeners what's the best bad show or your favorite bad show that you've watched all the way through absentia is one of these shows where it's it's set in boston but it's filmed in europe and it's very clear that everything is taking place in europe and the thing that is actually i think pretty hilarious about it is that in seasons two and season three as opposed to trying to make out like it's boston they have these really crazy plot twists that send the characters over to europe and that makes it easier to to deal with the fact that they're just filming over there but a show that's all over the place in terms of tone in terms of voice in terms of action in terms of you know the plot making any sense but at the same time Season two, you know, watch the last five episodes or so all together. Season three, watch the last five episodes on a Saturday night before you know going into the the big Sunday games. Season two was so bad that I quit in the middle for a couple of years. And so you know, again, <laughs> very much all over the place. But I I like shows where you have strong characters and things happening. And a show can be a lot worse if it's active than a show that maybe is more the the peak tv kind of show which has to be fantastic no one is going to sit there for a slow paced show where the characters are looking at each other meaningfully unless the show is is you know utterly amazing and so some of these shows maybe have a little bit better floor simply because they're fun and so if someone's looking for a show that has a lot of intensity a lot of action is not necessarily consistently good but something that will pull you through. Uh, Absentia may be something to check out.
3: So are we looking, is this a call out for the listeners for this week's recommendation for shows that are so bad that they're good? Is that what we're looking for?
2: It doesn't necessarily have to be so bad, although we'll take that. Right? <laughs> but a show that you would actively admit is mediocre and yet you love it anyway or have been watched, you know, 20 episodes in a matter of five or six days. Something like that. Something that you got caught up in even though you'd be willing to admit, you know it's not deadwood in terms of the quality.
3: So uh, there's there's what Sean wants uh, to get sent our way. So the email is rotabizradio at gmail dot com, or you can tweet them my way at Overtime Ireland. Sean, this is a question that comes in from me uh, and it's uh something that sprung to mind um, after seeing DeAndre Hopkins catch uh that Hail Mary from Kyler Murray this uh this past week uh, in terms of all-time favorite NFL plays um I have one that sticks out in my mind both because of the play but I just remember exactly where I was in the world and what had happened and it was uh watching uh Aaron Rogers throw Hail Mary against the Lions in 2015 to Richard Rodgers. Um, at the time hail marys weren't happening as frequently then rogers had a a time where i think he had three of them and maybe an 18 month uh, period he'd won to randall cobb against the giants in the playoffs and uh, he had won to jeff janice i believe it was against arizona uh and and the playoffs as well um and it's just uh that play i was living in melbourne in australia we were living in a, a small apartment and i was watching that game at like six o'clock in the morning <laughs> and i remember like oh, just thinking this game is over this is it's been a bad performance and uh that that throw just like jolted me out of bed with such energy for the rest of the day uh based on the time difference uh, just one that really is vivid in my memory in terms of a, an nfl play that uh I thought I'd, I thought had no chance of uh, actually occurring. Uh, is there anything that sticks out in your head as a specific play for a, a fond memory?
2: Well, this Hopkins catch is is going to be right up there. Might it's, gonna, it's definitely going to be. Yeah,
3: I, I watched it. I, I watched it. I watched it this morning on Twitter, and like I had goosebumps watching. Just like I, I watched it live, and then when I watched it back this morning, it was one of those plays. that's just so. It's probably a once in a generation play. Maybe once in a lifetime the way it happened.
2: Oh, crazy, crazy. And especially if if you have such a huge ownership of those players in fantasy, then those are the plays that stick out to you. I was already very excited because of the Stefan Diggs touchdown. And so, you know, already very up and excited and thinking, well, you know, this game ended on a on a very positive note. And then to have that happen, it just I mean, it's one of the one of the best feelings. Going back to another play. Listeners know, Kansas City Chiefs fan, most of the big plays that have happened throughout the last 20, 30 years have not been favorable to the Chiefs as they've gone down time after time after time at Arrowhead Stadium in the playoffs. That all changed last year with the big comebacks on the way and then with that comeback in the last five minutes of the Super Bowl. All of those plays would be up there in terms of maybe a slightly more specific type of play and and something that was, again, a very meaningful to me personally with the Chiefs, with my favorite player, Jamal Charles, in week 15 of the 2013 season, when he continued to break the long touchdown runs all throughout the course of the game. And every time it happened and you're watching your fantasy points rise, you're thinking, well, you know, this is the play that made the week and then another one happens and another one happens and jamal charles i think in that game cemented himself as possibly the best running back in nfl history certainly i think he jim brown barry sanders charles wasn't able to get quite the longevity that you might need for some specific arguments but i don't think anyone was as good at his peak as charles was that game right there as he continued to break long touchdown runs and and each one of those plays are the plays that stick out in my mind
3: yeah jamal charles is just so so fun to watch and anyone that had him on their their fantasy rosters any season uh just it was uh, lots lots of good good vibes happening um but as always uh, you can send those suggestions to us um get them in early we'll try and get them used on one of the shows next week and as always you can get yourself a 10 percent discount to Rotoviz nfl pass by using 2020 rv radio at checkout or by going to com forward slash podcast for further information and as always it does help us out if you drop us a written interview on your favorite podcast app we do appreciate those kind words that have come in recently sean mentioned some of the feedback we're getting it is much appreciated uh, we really enjoy doing the show for all the listeners and it's it's been a lot of fun uh, i think uh, i think the show on monday was actually our 150th episode off the podcast so the we're flying or on uh, sorry on uh, tuesday so we're flying through those episodes uh, it's, it's been it's, it's, it's really going in pretty quick but And until we're back with another show on Thursday, of course, you can uh, check out all Sean's great work up at rotavis.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime And until we're back, have a good one. Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rodoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rodoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rodovizradio@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rotovis Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rodoviz with a discount through the Radio homepage, rotovis.com forward slash podcast. Football is really and truly back in full swing. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still get in on the action at BetOnline. BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you have every possible chance to win this season, from game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props. BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get involved in their great bonuses today and start wagering on wins and championship futures all day, every day. Head on over to BetOnline today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use the code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran,
2: Marvelous Marvin Hagler and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings. A four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Oh, oh,
0: oh, O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts
3: has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people.
2: Oh, oh, oh. O'Reilly Auto Parts